0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good yeah, well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it stinks you sorry <laughs> you waste all our film
1: it's so bad
0: does anything have what it takes to take down avengers this week no uh, probably, they're the avengers probably not but we've got a few a uh, few that are vying for that honor and also, we have, a, we have a small request we'd like to ask for you, too. But before we get to that, we want to say welcome to the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. And by the way, uh, if you've ever listened, ever, right, even if this is your first time listening, we want to say thank you because, as you may know, our home base is here in Columbus, Ohio. Go Blue Jackets. And uh, we just <laughs> got nominated for the first ever... Col- Annual... First annual, yeah, hopefully it's a, a new tradition. <laughs> the uh, Columbus Podcast Awards.
1: Yes, we did. So the screening
0: room is nominated in TV and film category, and the winners are picked all by online voting. And uh, you know where we're going with this. And uh, <laughs> the voting is through the month of May only. So yep. we would love it if you could just take a couple of minutes and uh, go to Columbus Podcast Awards.com and vote for us uh, in the TV movie category. And then also we're eligible at the end. You put in, you write, you uh, vote for Podcast of the Year. So, you know, uh, you do that too. That's right, man. A
1: Help a podcast out.
0: Double special. So uh, thank you so much. Again, it's ColumbusPodcastAwards.com. And you can vote throughout the month of May. Uh, one vote, I think, per email right. Email, right, is how it goes. So it's not like we're asking, you, to, you know, to just vote a hundred times or anything. But thank you. We really appreciate that. And thank you for listening as always. So let's get to it. Got a few to talk about, a few uh, law, uh, major releases and a few smaller independent releases, but we'll start with Fred Flarsky, reuniting with his first crush, one of the most influential women in the world, Charlotte Field, in Longshot.
1: I need some writers to punch up my speeches. Fred's writing is really good, and he knows me.
0: Oh, I
1: feel so scared.
0: In order to write better for you, I should kind of get to know you better if you have a minute.
1: I actually have seven. Seven minutes in heaven. (laughs)
0: Do you date? I mean, who wants to follow me
1: around the world and hope I have five minutes to be affectionate?
0: It's pretty woman, but she's Richard Gere and you're Julia Roberts.
1: Honestly, this has been the best few weeks of my entire life. We asked a thousand constituents how they would feel if Kate Middleton to see
0: where you're going with this,
1: were to start dating Danny DeVito. Pretty negative reaction.
0: As I said in my written review, this movie does something right before it even starts the opening credits, and that is on the poster. Its tag is unlikely, but not impossible, (laughs) because it knows what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron write unlikely, but not impossible. (laughs) So they they acknowledge your scoffing, and then they set it aside, and like, now we can proceed. That's right. Which I think was genius, because, um, yeah, he's a real scruffy, unkempt online journalist. And he writes cutting edge exposes like F.U. (laughs) Exxon and things like that. And uh, she is the secretary of state, soon to be running for president. And then when Fred's online outlet gets purchased by a guy who's basically Rupert Murdoch, uh, uh, played by Andy Serkis under a ton of makeup. He quits in disgust, and then he reunites with uh, with his old babysitter, that is Charlotte, uh, Charlize Theron, at this ill fated fundraiser. He gets hired on to help write her speeches, and then the unlikely uh, romance takes off. So it is very funny, and of course you've got Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, who are almost always good. We talked. Yes,
1: well, she in particular. Yeah,
0: we have talked about her multiple times and she's one of those people that I think except for w- maybe one movie she has chemistry with everyone. Yes, she does. That one movie was that that Snow White Huntsman. and the Huntsman sequel yeah. with Emily Blunt who also almost always has yeah. chemistry and they didn't have chemistry no, together. They that killed me. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. She's always great. He's good and and this is his wheelhouse. It is his wheelhouse. He doesn't write or anything here. I think he's a, he's a producer, but it, it has a little bit of that, you know, that Seth Rogen Stoner comedy vibe, but they temper it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's not overrun with that. But uh it's just a it's a very timely, smart brash take on, you know, just politics in general, on Fox News especially. Man, do they go after Fox News, and it's hilarious.
1: On the double standard in politics between women and men. Yes. On ro- romantic comedies in general. Yeah,
0: they bring up a pretty woman, yeah. you know. And uh, so it's got the, the two the two leads, which are very good, and a, a real uh, solid supporting cast, including, uh, I think her name is June Diane Raphael. She plays Charlotte. Fields' chief of staff, and she's very disapproving of this romance. <laughs> uh, and then uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is um, Fred, uh, Seth Rogen's motivational best friend. He's always cheering him on. Yes, you can do this, you know. <laughs> and so you know the whole the whole ensemble is having a lot of fun. And uh, the filmmakers behind it all have some pretty solid resumes. Direc- director Jonathan Levine did a 50 which was Seth Rogen the right, night yeah, before? Yeah. Seth Rogen also did the whackness sure. uh, years ago, which I thought was pretty good. And the writers, Dan Sterling, uh, he wrote the interview, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen, and then mm-hmm. Liz Hanna had a hand in writing the post. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of talent here. It feeds into this implausibility. But right up to the point where it's going to collapse on itself. And then it gets back to, you know, it knows, I think the, the, it knows just how far they can push it. But uh, it stays topical and it stays R-rated. It's an R-rated comedy and it does earn that R-rating. So just know that going in. Which, you know, we have no problem with that. Bring it on. But uh, <laughs> it does lead toward a third act that does get a bit sentimental. Sure. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, by then, I think it will have won you over. You know, mm-hmm. the script and the cast. And uh, I laughed. A lot. Mm-hmm. So I think of this is one of the, the, the definitely, uh, the cream of this week's crop sure. is uh, long shot. So uh, we, would, we would recommend it. Let's get animated next. It's an animated adventure in which the free-spirited ugly dolls confront what it means to be different and struggle with the desire to be loved. Ugly dolls.
1: Welcome to the Institute of Perfection. Remember, only pretty dolls will meet their perfect human match. Honestly, think
0: your little band of sock puppets stands a chance here? It's probably better if you just go back where you belong.
1: Our flaws make us who we are. Oh. Ew. Those are all worth fighting for. <laughs> we can be pretty lovable. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? <laughs>
0: For some reason, I don't know if we know, ugly dolls is just one word. It's not <laughs> the ugly dolls. It's just ugly dolls.
1: Yep. I think it's because I believe it started off as actual dolls. To- toys. Toys. Okay. And and so that was just their sort of moniker. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there was also an animated TV show, and now it is made the jump to the big screen and... Musical. Uh, uh, yes. Songtastic. Woo! Kelly Clarkson, Blake Shelton, Janelle Monae, and a lot of other really... Borrowed, really borrowed ideas, <laughs> really borrowed ideas. I'm not that familiar with anything about this. I mean, I'd seen the toys before.
0: It's it's not the only movie this week that's borrowing things. No, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yes. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> we open on what is what is ostensibly uh, the island of misfit toys. Right? It's it's this community where all of the reject toys go to live and wish that they had a boy or a girl. Now the the twist is that they don't realize. That they'll never have a boy or a girl, or that they're reject toys. Only the mayor knows that. But the so that's why Moxie, who is played by Kelly Clarkson, she figures, well, I'm just going to climb up that tube where all of the new citizens come from, mm-hmm. and maybe that's where I'll find my boy or girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what she finds at the top is where the non-reject toys go to get trained to be able to be good enough to go. And so then she and her little band of ugly toys come in contact with the Pretty Toys, uh, led by Lou, who's voiced by Nick Jonas. And Lou does not want the ugly toys to get through. It's kind of like a ugly duckling story where, nicely, you don't have to become a beautiful spawn to be happy. Mm-hmm. I like that. They really batter you with that theme. I mean, they bruise you a bit <laughs> with that theme, which is unfortunate, because I feel like a, a well-made children's film doesn't have to hit you with a shovel— uh, it can be part of the overall story, but um, they don't really try to do that. Uh, what they try to do instead is crib from much better films. And
0: one of the things also that stuck out to me about this movie was that we're so used now, so gotten so used to in animated films, especially the way the the visual amazements, it just doesn't really look that amazing uh, for for an animated film.
1: No, I mean it's fine. It's very colorful right. and bright. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's it. I mean, I mean th- that's. That's a great term to define everything about this movie. Ugh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and, and the only thing that kind of brings it down a notch is you'll say to yourself, I saw this in a better movie. And, you know, what's funny about that. A lot of times, the uh, studios will crank out horror films that are PG-13 and they're aimed at 13 to 15 year old kids. Right. And they will steal from better horror movies because you can sort of guess that a 13 to 15 year old never saw The Exorcist, right? That's not the same thing with kids' movies. People watch the same kids' movies year after year after Uh year after year and so the average six-year-old has already seen Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that it's several years old, and we're all going to recognize the climactic tissue-grabbing <laughs> scene that is stolen for this movie. Of
0: course, if they're going to steal a scene, that's a good one to steal. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. But they no, just don't is. do
0: it as well, so that, that's, no. that's a problem.
1: And, uh, you know, it's 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 there's nothing terrible about this movie. There is nothing particularly good about it either. So I think, you know... It's, I'm not saying it's a hard pass, it's going to rain this weekend, whatever, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely not a great movie. They
0: ought to put that in their advertising. Quote, it's going to rain this weekend, whatever, <laughs> hope mad. <Madden. laughs> Feel free to use that. Speaking of movies that crib from other movies, how about a young married couple buying a beautiful house on several acres of land, finding out that the man they bought it from refuses to let go of the property. It's the intruder. You really want this place, don't you? I do. Welcome to
1: Fox Club. I'm Charlie Peck.
0: This view is beautiful.
1: It's the only house I ever lived in. Nice looking family. We always had a lot of love here. This house is yours now.
0: We'll take good care of her. I'm gonna hold you to
1: that. Something is really off with that guy. Hi, right. hey Scott. Hello. Hey, stop drilling holes in my house. It's not your house.
0: Charlie's quite a guy. You know his wife died in that house. You think that's blood? Your days are dropping by are over.
1: It's hard to say goodbye. He's watching you. This guy is dangerous. The first thing that this movie reminded me of, just from the trailer, was a movie we saw several years ago, like probably at least 10 years ago, called Lakeview Terrace. Because you just kind of change a couple of themes around, and it's the same movie. Oh, here's why. It was written by the same guy. That's right.
0: Yeah, The writer, David Lowry did Lakeview Terrace. Uh, the director, Dion Taylor, just did uh, Traffic mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. So they are mining. They're in familiar neighborhoods yes. here. And you're going to recognize a lot of things. Um it relies on some horror tropes that are pretty, you know, the, the home invasion yeah. type of thing. That's been done a million times. A lot of jump scares. Yeah, a lot of jump scares and music stabs and red, red herring fake outs and all that stuff. Because it's really not, I, I wouldn't call this a horror no. movie. Although it relies on, on horror tropes. It, it tries to be creepy and tense. And it's got Dennis Quaid as the man who sells the house to the young couple, uh, Michael Ely and uh, Megan Good. And then he don't, doesn't really leave. He finds reasons to just come around and mow the lawn and help out with Christmas decorations. And then he always wants to find ways to be alone, especially with, with Annie, the uh, the wife. So... Dennis Quaid, of course, is one of the all-time likable dudes. Yeah, you know, who so, doesn't like Dennis Quaid? I, I
1: know. It's almost like seeing Tom Hanks in an, yeah. in an evil role, which is, which is great, right? Yeah, exactly. Something fresh, anyway, is at least to, to cast him against type. Yeah,
0: I like that. So there are possibilities there. And you can tell he, he wanted it. I mean, that's the thing about this movie. I, it, it gets so ridiculous, and the characters make such idiotic choices, and it's so heavy-handed. About its its storytelling, and then you'll of course recognize different parts from different movies, especially the end. But we'll get to that. He, I think he really wanted to let just go, go all out, yeah, just absolutely. go unhinged. Right. I think the filmmaker should have chosen go one. Go full of, Nick Cage. Exactly. Go full one or the other. You know, if you're trying to make a layered, you know, tense thriller, well. It could use some work. So let's just go with all-out Nick Cage. Yeah, just balls to the walls, <laughs> unhinged type of thing. And that could have been fun. And I think in this performance, Dennis Quaid was trying to maybe go down that road. But they end up somewhere in the mushy middle, and it's really not tense maybe you know a couple times. But it's just so, so telegraphed as the storm moves in. And, oh, the lightning is going to go off and, and silhouette a, a figure in the background. You know, it's all been done a million times, but then as it leads to this finale that I'm telling you is Taken verbatim from <laughs> a 90s thriller. I'm not gonna mention it, but I'm telling you, if 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 you see it. And it's funny.
1: You no, know, so here's the thing, because you can say that and think, well, a lot of T a lot of movies crib and they've got a scene that pays homage. Sh- no, I mean he means word for, for word. word, it's the shocking <laughs> <gasps> ending yeah. of, a, of a big thriller from the 90s. And as it got
0: there, as it got closer and closer, I I, I kept thinking, are they gonna do it? <laughs> are, are they gonna do it? And it was funny when we were on, we were on this morning. We're on every Friday morning here in Columbus on a Good Day Columbus with the Phil and Sean. That's right. We said that we'd mention them. That's right. Um, they, <laughs> they wanted to know. Everybody in the control room wanted to know what movie are you talking about. <laughs> and I said, Well, I'm not going to tell you on the air. That's because right. There are people that want to go to see this movie. So as soon as we, as soon as they turned the cameras off, they all wanted to know what movie it was. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it here either. But yeah, it was. I actually wanted to go and look, and I did. I did looked up at the end. I thought, you know what? What are the odds that this writer wrote that movie, too? Right. Because before I go off, maybe he's stealing from... No, he didn't write it, because it's been quite a while.
1: Oh, yeah. But, um, but the
0: movie's from, what, 1991 that we're oh, talking about. That's, okay. That's the last clue we're going to give. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My goodness.
0: But anyway, it's it's just... It's not very good. Here's what good. I'd like
1: to say, too, about... Because they, they do... They make one twist on... To the ending? Yeah. Yeah, okay. One change, which weakens it and goes toward what i disliked the most about this movie was how they represented the female character yes. in this movie yeah. and it's interesting because the same filmmaker last year made a Paula Patton movie called Traffic which was not a great movie but it had a lot of was trying to do some things about about trafficking about about uh, yeah, human, trafficking. human mm-hmm. trafficking and yet it could not stop ogling Paula Patton. It couldn't. Every scene was, look what she's wearing now. Look how curvy she is now. She's wet. And it was so bothersome to me. And this movie is even more blatant about it. They do the same
0: thing to Megan Good, who's an incredibly good-looking woman. And they have her pretty much as just bait. That's what the camera is. She's in the bathtub. She's in the shower. She's in a succession of very curvaceous outfits right, right, right. you know which
1: is fine. Right but, uh, but the thing is yeah. in the the 1990s movie that we're talking about the the, the last moment reinforces that the female lead has some power. This one decides nah.
0: You're sporting too much already. All I'm right. already nervous about that. But anyway, yeah, there's just there's not a lot to offer here. I I wish it would have taken tried to go one path or the other. I would have preferred if they'd just gone just, you know, full cage. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends up just not being very, very interesting in any way. No. And really, honestly, unintentionally funny in yeah. some moments. It right. really is. Oh, and, sure. and, and that's never good check out a few indies next, starting with a self-destructive punk rocker struggling with sobriety while trying to recapture the creative inspiration that led her band to success. It's called Her Smell. I flirt with death. I look ill, but I don't care about it. Becky's on that. She's a woman. She's a user. <laughs> Your mother, she's a deadbeat. A person. A persona. (laughs) You're a
1: mess. No, you're a mess. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. You've all stuck with me. Control of it. To quote that genius Patrick from Spongebob Squarepants, I smell the smelly smell of something that smells smelly. He is a genius. He is a (laughs) genius.
0: Well, this one is driven by the just, I think you called it ferocious, and that's a good word, ferocious performance by Elizabeth Moss as as Becky something. And I love that character name, Becky something.
1: (laughs) She's really... Just always good. Just always good. And an incredibly versatile performer. And in this case, it's one of those sort of behind-the-musics, you know, rock star, downward spirals.
0: Yeah. It reminded me sometimes of Vox Lux, uh, which we saw last year of Natalie Portman. Uh especially in the way it gave... It showed, like, full song performances. Yes. Uh, but this is filmmaker Alex Ross Perry... Right. ...who's done some small movies. He did The Color Wheel. He did Listen Up, Philip. He did uh, Queen of Earth, which I liked a lot, with right. with Elizabeth, with Elizabeth Moss. Moss. So this one
1: might be... Uh, the most well-marketed one that he's done yet? Yeah, which is funny because it's very long. And one of the things that... I like his movies, but one of the things that really mark his films is that he is preoccupied by unlikable characters. Mm -hmm. His lead is always somebody you can barely tolerate. And that is the case with Becky Something. And what's interesting is that... Well, in in reading some of his interviews, that might be him. It might be. (laughs) I know. Um... Elizabeth Moss' performance is sweaty and everywhere and fearless and loathsome and noxious. And, God, she's just amazing. She's so committed to this role. And it's fascinating. And it's almost like, you know, uh, it's like Hole. It's like Courtney Love. It's Uh in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it's a 90s all-female band that is imploding because drug abuse and kind of the shifting uh, ground of the music industry and just general bad behavior, and their truly somewhat genius lead singer and songwriter, Mm -hmm. she's just having an implosion. You can't stand her. No one can stand her. That is the (laughs) point. But unlike the other films that this filmmaker has made, there is redemption and sort of regret that really colors the second half of the film and is handled incredibly well. And again, it's all Moss's performance. She's just incredible. The, The real weakness for me in this film a, they, there are full song performances, mm-hmm. and there are too many. Yeah. Uh, and also, I don't think the performers—they don't quite nail it. The the songs are a little weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not something that you would have listened to and remembered from the '90s. They're not. Other than that, you know, and again, it's not a comfortable film. You'll be uncomfortable. You'll feel a little abused, but in a good way. I mean, and and it's such a performance that it just can't be missed. And from what I read, much like
0: Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, she went to, like, rock star school. (laughs) Because I think she admitted this type of music wasn't really her bag Mm -hmm. before this. And she had to kind of dive into it with that punk girl, the riot girl type movement. But uh, she went to rock star school, and while, I guess while she was filming The Handmaid's Tale and learning guitar at night. So, you know, she really poured herself into it. But like you say, she's almost always good and really is, uh, is all about it here in uh, her smell. And we've got a couple documentaries well worth seeing this week. The first one follows five friends on an immersive adventure through the unknown wilds of the Texas borderlands. As they travel 1,200 miles from El Paso to the Gulf of Mexico, it's the river and the wall. We are embarking on a 1,200-mile journey to try and understand where exactly a wall would go and what effects it would have.
1: Is the border on the river or is the border at the wall? Without the water, we can't operate.
0: They are taking their land away from them. You've got almost 3,000 acres of land that is going to be ceded to Mexico. I don't see how you could build a border wall that's more difficult to cross through than this landscape.
1: There's a bigger issue than the actual crossing into the country.
0: This is the feature debut for uh, director and co-writer Ben Masters. And it's one that, as you might guess, studies from all sides the current debate over a border wall.
1: And and it follows the geography of where that wall will go. And so it's interesting because the debate is really, for the first time that I've heard, including a conversation with the human beings who will live
0: right. where the wall is being built. And on almost any big issue... The people at the heart of it are almost always forgotten. It becomes, especially this issue, it becomes a talking point. It becomes either a a touchstone to get people to cheer or to boo. And you forget that at the heart of this, there are lives. Yeah. There are lives factored on all sides. And so it takes a documentary like this to make you remember that. And it's done very effectively here.
1: And beautifully. And and I think that that's something that uh, helps people kind of swallow the bitter pill of what amounts to a political conversation is, God, this is just a beautiful film to look at.
0: Yeah, and it was reviewed, uh, the written review was done by one of our writers, Rachel Rachel Willis at MadWolf.com. And uh, please check, she she really liked it. Yep. And uh, her review is up now at MadWolf.com. But it's a recommend, recommended documentary this week, as is... A documentary portrait chronicling the incredible life of Dr. Ruth Westheimer. It's called Ask Dr. Ruth. She was a young child living in Frankfurt, Germany, when the Nazis came to power.
1: Because of my background as a German Jewish refugee, I had a sensitivity for the people who were regarded as subhuman.
0: Ruth started to shift awareness of HIV and AIDS.
1: There is no such thing as retiring for me. I have an obligation to live large and make a dent in this world. At 90, still talking about sex from morning to night.
0: I didn't realize Dr. Ruth is now 90 years old. Yep. And she's one of those people that just seems to have always been around. You know, if you're a certain age, you grew up with her, oh, yeah, it was Dr. Ruth, that little tiny lady talking about sex right. talking graphically about sex. <laughs> and, when you, you know, when you're younger, when you're a kid, you're like, I can't believe they're saying that on TV. <laughs> you know, she got to say all those terms. But... She's an incredible woman who really came from an incredible background to achieve this place that she is and still dom-
1: and still inhabits today. Yeah, well, she's written 30 books and just wrote another one. And the, the documentarian asks her, like, what, why would you even want to still write a book at 90? And she laughs and goes, what a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> That's right. She's just, you know, and it's funny, I'm going to quote my friend. She's a treasure. It's you know she's she is and the thing is if you as I did only know her from the 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 sex therapy talk show she had yeah as you mentioned her background is insane yeah. it's amazing it's incredible what she's overcome it's incredible what she's accomplished mm-hmm. it's incredible that she's 4 foot 7 <laughs> I know I know
0: <laughs> and the thing is too that most people when they get that old they tend to shrink a little bit. No, she's
1: she's always been that yeah, small. <laughs> she's tiny and and such a little powerhouse. And right, you know, right. and she's always made her diminutive stature work for her. Uh because it, it's a way that makes her seem less intimidating and so therefore she can talk very graphically and scientifically about and she's clearly an educator at heart, but she's also just led a phenomenal life and it's This so far, George, I'm telling you, this is the year of the documentary. We have seen so many great documentaries this year, and this is another one. And and again, this was written, this review was written for us by Kat McAlpine, so you should uh, have a look at what she had to say about it on MadWolf.com.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but uh, two two more, you're right about this year so far, and two more good documentaries uh, to check out this week.
1: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's
0: all go to the lobby. Heading to the lobby, we find almost all winners. Right. Almost all. We'll start out on DVD, Dragged Across Concrete. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, and it's the latest opus by S. Craig Zoller, who loves those slow burns to brutal violence. Yes. And this is the slowest burn, and uh, but it's, it's really... Really engaging, led by some some great performances, and uh, if you if you know what you're in for, especially if you like his movies, if you've seen Bone Tomahawk or Brawl in Cell Block 99, and if
1: you haven't, you should right you now. Should.
0: You should. This one is definitely worth checking out. Also, uh, a movie that I enjoy that whew, I don't know how many people saw. It's Mads Mikkelsen. Correct in Arctic. Right. And this is a survival story where you just... It's a plane crash. He is in the Arctic. uh, And you just... You don't know what happened. You're just yep. dropped in it. Oh, there he is. And he's yep. clearly been there for a while. And it is... It's not a true story, but it's a real uh, ragged survival tale and that I thought was well worth it, especially for another... And a long string of solid performances by Mads Oh, yes. He's Mads always Michelson. good. Yeah, if you like those... uh those survival tales, and I always do. Uh, That's a good one. Also, one that I know you liked a lot on DVD this week, The Hole in the Ground. Yeah,
1: it's an Irish horror film and I love Irish horror films because they all seem very preoccupied with like sort of uh, a very na- uh, national folklore that they have about like the uh, woodland creatures and and magical beings and this is another one it's very creepy a lot of is familiar but I think that the way where they take it is interesting the performances are very good and I thought it was very enjoyable
0: I Trap the Devil is out this week as well and this is one we just talked about maybe last week yes so we see, we're we seeing more of those movies now come out boom boom yep right away in the theaters and on uh, on video on demand or whatever but uh, you thought that. There was a lot to like in this.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's another one that is going to remind you of some other films, and it relies mainly on some sort of clever filmmaking and solid performances. It's a small movie, but it's, it's, it's a pretty good one.
0: And bringing up the rear is Serenity. Oh, it is, isn't it? It is Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. And as I was watching this, you know, they lay on the noir so thick. I'm thinking, there's got to be a reason they're doing this. And then you find out, yeah, there is. And when you get that reason, it, you know what, might have been an ambitious swing for the fences, but it doesn't work at all. And it just becomes silly. A nice try, I guess, but yeah, that's one to pass on this week. Looking ahead next week. Speaking of Anne Hathaway, yeah. she, she's back with a Rebel Wilson in the Hustle. Looks like kind of a maybe a rewrite of uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yep. maybe. Yep, something like that. Pokemon Detective Pikachu, mm. Pika Pika. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. If you have a, a a child that like ours did, just grew up infatuated with the Pokemon. He still does. He's a grown man. It's crazy. I know. Remember having to go see those cartoons? Yes! We went to see... I I went to see the one. I took him, and I tried so hard to fall asleep. (laughs) Couldn't do it. It was too loud and too, you know, bright flashing lights, and... uh, it was painful. Also, Tolkien, the uh, biography of the early life of J.R.R. Tolkien. Sunset comes out, Wild Nights with Emily, Dog Man. I've never heard of that, and uh, a documentary that, uh, boy, you you liked a lot. We'll I talk did. about it next week called Hail Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm, so some, some good stuff to get to next week. Um, until then... Keep in mind, we'd love to have you vote for us uh, online voting for the Columbus Podcast Awards. Even if you are not from Columbus, Ohio, that's fine. Your yep. vote counts, and we'd love to have it. If you could vote for the screening room at columbuspodcastawards.com. Thank you so much, and we always appreciate your listening.
1: Yeah, and wherever it is you're listening, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, yeah. So check in if you can. You can always find
0: us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website as we've talked about a few times here is madwolf.com so we always like to talk movies keep the conversation going so get in touch if you can and until next week she is hope madden he's george wolf and this is the award nominated <laughs> screening room podcast see ya i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner bye